0: Turn with me to Isaiah thirty-six, and a few um, weeks ago now, whenever it was, I talked about this reading out of Jane um, Hammond's book, and um, came to this chapter seven, and I kind of rushed through something, and I just didn't leave. um, I wasn't settled with because there's so much more to this subject, and. um, so i began to read these uh chapters uh over um second chronicles 32 and then second kings um, 18 i believe it is and then also isaiah 36 is where the prophet isaiah gets involved in the story and it's this uh, story of um king hezekiah and um not to overlook this, this this is so important hezekiah became a king Very extremely young Um, and uh, I may have been in his 20s when he becomes king so it's like whoa that will either either wreck a person because too much stuff too fast can really be bad but um, as a young man and then with this new inherited uh, um, role and position and honor he sets his heart towards the Lord. Such a beautiful, amazing example. He sets his heart to do everything that the Lord instructed and to go back and reestablish all the things that Israel uh, had quit practicing. And uh, the scene is, as he comes into his position, is the worship and the sacra- the offerings had it all stopped and shut down. And uh, the priests before had been worshiped, they des- initiates, we're gonna clean this house. And they start hauling articles and items. I don't know what all was in there, but they had forsaken the worship of the one true God and they were into worshiping idols. So they remove all these things. They consecrated things. It was, it was a big deal. There's literally chapters uh, in, in Second Chronicles about the preparation leads up to this point. Meanwhile, the king of Assyria, uh, Senarajib, Sen- what's, I'll hang on, I have a terrible time with this, Senarajib, Senarajib, somebody have a better way to pronounce that, okay. Him, kind of an, almost an Indian name, you know? Like, and uh, he was the king of Assyria. And the best description I have of this guy is he was a mafia boss. He just started taking over, accumulating, waging war, and he would take them. He would ask usury from from whatever, and uh, he was taking over a lot of places. I mean, take them over, and he had even gotten to Israel at a certain point, taken some of their people uh, away to another land. So at one point, Hezekiah, though he's doing all these great righteous things, the threat comes, the center, center I was doing better with this. In my mind, I was doing better with pronouncing this name. Senator Cherub, Senator Cherub, say it once on that. Okay, we'll go with that one. He threatens them, and so Hezekiah, he doesn't get dinged for this from the Lord. Uh, he makes payment to a mafia boss, pretty much. He asks what Senate what Cherub would require of them to avoid. Him coming in and taking over, and he gives them an amount of silver and amount of gold. So Hezekiah goes and he collects this. He even takes the gold off the doors in the temple. So he's desperate to come up with this, this payoff money because he's looking at his kingdom, he's looking at his wife, his children, his you know you you do you'll go to a great extreme to protect them from evil coming, and you don't want to pick up war with this this king of Assyria. Gives all of that to him, but you know, when you start paying off a mob boss, it pretty much only lets them know what you have, and it's like, hmm, let's see what else we can get. So that only worked for a few moments in time, large-scale things, and he comes again comes, approaches Israel, and he threatens them, and in this story of coming after them and, and, and letting them know he's coming, there are these uh, officials, this is not the name of the officials, um, it's, it's the role of, they're like governors, they're like, but they're emissaries, And uh, one of the names of these emissaries, not a name of a person, but the role was a Rabshakeh. R-A-B-S-H-A-K-E-H. So I'll go with that pronunciation, Rabshakeh. And the reason we get here is because Jane Hammond has a dream that a reformer so this is someone that's like apostolic that's a reformer in the nation i don't know if she had a specific person when she had her dream or if it was just in general a reformer a godly man that's bringing the kingdom reestablishing the kingdom this is where our word uh, apostle comes from it wasn't even a uh, biblical hebrew name or word it came out of rome it was what rome did when they overcame a country, a land, a territory. Then they would send in this apostle, a Roman soldier, and his sole purpose was, now that they were conquered, was to bring the new, the Roman culture into this place. And that actually is what an apostle does. He brings kingdom culture into a place. So it's quite a role. It's a, it's a big over thing. Now you're not conquering. Now you're establishing kingdom, as far as an apostle that we know. He's establishing kingdom culture in a people that have newly come to the Lord. So we value the apostolic ministry because it's, it's restoring us to kingdom getting rid of our Americanism it's getting rid of our, our those, those bad aspects of our culture and of, of, of how we go about things and you bring this whole other thing in the kingdom you go the second mile in the kingdom you forgive in the kingdom you do all these things you give to receive you plant to, to, to reap so all the kingdom principles that we know that we value apostle brings those in And this guy was an emissary, and his sole purpose was to, by a people, a country, to surrender without a fight. That's why he was sent. He was sent because he was good at this. Because he came, and he was a mouth. He was a spokesperson for the king, and he was sent because he was good at this. Like a salesman, only the dark side. <laughs> getting you to surrender your destiny. Getting you to surrender, getting a king to surrender his kingdom without even a fight. And so in this scenario, and in there, in those three passages, you kind of have to read them all together to get the, the clear picture. And uh, it appears to me, and especially shows up here in Isaiah, that... Uh, The king had actually taken his army to Lachish or some. There were the army, this massive army, was somewhere else actually when this Rabshakeh comes to Israel. And he has a platform, like all of these things. I couldn't let this go. It just started rolling in my mind about what we learned, and I referred to this, but I went, oh my gosh, I've probably. This is probably the spirit I have often battled. And the scenario is so amazing, you go, oh, Lord, this is exactly how it happens. So when, when um, Hezekiah first knows the king's coming, he makes a declaration. The Rabshakeh comes after this. And let me see if I can find where, um, uh, where I, I Hezekiah tells... Um, because I know where it's at. What's that in chapter thirty-seven, or because I know where it's at? in... let me, let me. I'm sorry. Let me go back to Chronicles. What's that? Yeah, that's where I'm going to go. That it's, really, it's really clear what he says. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I've got it all underlined. Fine, get over here. I want to take some moments here to build this because this happens to us. It has happened to us a lot. And Hezekiah hears this. King, he's finally fortified in his heart to say this to his people, and this is verse 7, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, nor be dismayed before the king of Assyria, nor before all the multitude that is with him, for there are more with us than with him. There are more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and fight our battles. And the people were strengthened by the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. It was an anointed declaration, and they took heart. They agreed, they believed that, they agreed with that. How many times have you and I been in these positions where we hear a word of the Lord, like there's a fear, there's something coming, we're sick, we're, we're fighting something, we're fighting something as a church, we're dealing with something in the church or in our people or sickness or all of these things. And we, we get this initial word, a prophetic word, something, it's powerful, it goes right to our heart and we agree with it. We're like, yes, that's, that blessed me, I have a witness, and and we're we're good. Like and at that moment, you can't comprehend how you'd ever lose that, right? Like I'm solid, I'm in, I'm I'm on the mountain. I'm not coming down. Like I'm, I'm full of faith about this, and all of that's probably true at that moment. However, there's another thing coming that follows that, and after that is when this Rob Sheka shows up. This man that's really good, and he finds a platform at the end. It said it was by the aqueduct, whatever that meant. But as you can imagine, it was a place, a platform that was just off and maybe out of their territory, just like across the boundary line, but close enough that he could speak and he would speak with a loud voice. And you get a man that has a voice that projects uh, one of the, one of the, um, early evangelists had that voice. I forget which name. Um, even Benjamin Franklin studied this guy. Who was it? Was it Whitcliffe or who was it that that preached? Whitfield. Whitfield maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. I think it was Whitfield. And, it was, and Benjamin Franklin studied him. was like, this is incredible. This man's voice. He doesn't need a microphone. He speaks in the, in the city. Thousands gather and everybody can hear his voice. And Benjamin Franklin, who was like a heady guy, like always thinking, like, How's this? How's this possible? Like this is amazing. So part of who this—he had a voice that projected, a voice that got through from a distance, and he speaks and he begins to taunt them. And it's at a certain point he's speaking in Hebrew, and the leaders that go out to hear him tell her sitting here. So he came up to their wall, in other words, and this Rabshakeh says, "Oh no." I'm not going to speak in Aramaic. I'm going to speak in Hebrew so that they hear. Because my whole goal here is to scare you all to death. Scare you into surrender. Intimidate you into giving up the promise. That's what I'm here. And I'm going to speak. So it was very unnerving. It's like a foreigner shows up and he's not even speaking in his own tongue. You know, the silly movies where we, you know, an alien comes and delivers a message. They hear this, you know, over the airwaves. You know, they translate it, you know, you know, for, you know whatever they would say in those crazy movies. He's coming speaking in their tongue. It's weird when a foreigner speaks in your language and you can understand them and they're telling you, you're dead. We're coming to get you. He says, he says things like this. I'm going to make you a deal. We'll give you 2,000 horses if you can find 2,000 men to ride them, and then I'll send just one of my captains, and he'll still he'll slaughter you. You're dead. You're done. Surrender. Give up. Give it over. This comes after their hearts are encouraged. And he taunts them and he begins to make fun of them and then goes to the worst place possible. He says, the Lord told me to come and tell you. The king of Syria is coming to get, you. Know, he's coming, he's conquered you because the Lord sent us. Now, all that sounds ridiculous when you're reading someone else's story, but if you've been subject to this spirit in your life and it finds a platform As they were listening, we find that the men were told, uh, here it is in verse 21 of 36 in Isaiah, he says, but they held their peace and answered him not a word, for the king's command was, do not answer him. Don't get into a conversation with him, because that's all part of the thing. It's like the telemarketers. I don't recommend getting into a conversation with them. I mean, if you want to waste their time, that's not a bad thing, you know, but... There's something about, if you give your ear to someone you're even not even interested, they have so many divisive ways to get in, to get your attention, to tap into something that will cause you to stay, just listen a little bit more. Right? And, oh, Lord, are we ever living in, a, in an era like everybody around me is talking about, be careful, the fraud, the stuff, the whatever. I got scammed right before we went on vacation the night before, text texts come. I, I, when I'm here, I'm like, I know better. But doggone, I was in a panic. Like, we want to leave at 4 in the morning, you know? I'm like, this is going to ruin my whatever. Your account is blocked. And I'm like, what? This is on Labor Day, so it's a holiday on top of it. You know, you can't do anything or call anything. And I, I start, I'm looking, I'm confused. It, and this fear comes on me. It's the same spirit. It came on me. I was messing up my plans, and I'm like, "No, I'm just trying to get Phyllis away from the tomatoes and the peaches, and delegating every you know every last piece shall have a home." I mean, we were just like, and she's and she's promised when I get everything, then we'll go. I'm like, you know. So it's been the day doing that and work and getting ready and getting the house ready for Quan and all these things, and all this is going on. And it's about nine o'clock at night, I get this text. I'm like, I look at this, and my heart, I'm like, "Oh gosh." And I'm like, keep trying to move. I didn't want to tell Phyllis. I said, you know, I don't want to tell you because I don't want you to panic. I'm panicking, but I don't want, I don't need you panicking with me, you know. Two or th- three, or three agree, you've got you know. And I, I end up because I'm in this, like, I gotta fix this. I I I go, I I fall right into it, and I I get in a little ways and I went, oh my God. I, I all of a sudden I knew what I did. And uh Shame, the feel, feeling like it's just so intense. I'm like, wow, it's a good thing my heart's in good shape because I'd probably fall over right now. Like that thing, like you just made the whole most horrible mistake. So I finally have to confess to Phyllis because I'm like, oh, you know that four o'clock, get out of here, get out of town. Then like, that's not going to happen. I'm, I gotta go to, I gotta go to the bank, you know. And even that was like, oh, I don't want to do. So I have to go make my confession, and uh, it really went well. But I really dreaded it. <laughs> I've been through this, and the thing that they that was on the text was exactly what happened the last time I got my account got taken. I lost money. Like it was bad. It was the same thing. Someone tried to get it in my get my password, get my stuff. They did, and the bank knew about it. They had it in their logs. Thank God. And I'm like, uh, why didn't you tell me? You know, or I'm thinking, did I miss? The warnings that take somebody's trying we have this in our looks. Somebody keeps call, calling in, saying they're you and they need their, you know, the past. It's like, it'd been nice if I'd have known that, but then I'm not that diligent. So sometimes I've missed things that I should know. And I'm like, well, I'm not gonna let that happen again. And then this text comes. I'm like, somebody tried to tell me, they're like, let me know. Let's let's resolve this right now. I'm like, so I do it. Oh my gosh. The Lord redeemed it. It all worked out well. But it's that thing you go, oh, I wouldn't fall for that. (laughs) I would encourage you, trust in the Lord, not in yourself. You ever have that thing like, I wouldn't fall for that? (laughs) That's, That's number one caution. Like, don't assume that. When we come to this place of saying we trust in the Lord, it means we trust in him more than we trust in ourselves. And that's the biggest thing to get over is yourself. Like, oh, I know better. I'm smart enough. I'm this. I'm that. I don't, I wouldn't do that. It's like, it's it's the Lord and the psalmist would write, he delivers me out of the trapper's snare, the fowler's snare, you know, that's like, why does a little bird get caught in a snare? Because it looks like home. It looks like food. It looks like a nest. It looks like a good place. You, and you jump in, and as soon as you're in, boom, you know I'm caught. So this, this Rabsheka comes, and it has all this language and this manipulation. And when you realize it's a spirit, I realize uh, this is what I realized, this is what most of my life, especially in the ministry, this thing has had a voice, it's had a platform, but I can't identify it. It sounds like me. It sounds like reason. Let's be real. Let's be logical. And so you have this these ways that you're that you protect yourself or, or things, and, and you don't, you can't identify what that voice is that's coming, and it's after your destiny. One of the biggest lies that you can embrace is that you're not significant. In Jane Hammond's dream, it was a reformer that they were coming out, going to come after. And in her dream, the Lord was going to give them, take that weapon off of Rob Shaka. Which she didn't She thought it was the name of a rock, re, reggae band, band or something like. What is that? You know. And she goes, "Oh my gosh, it's in the Bible." Like, I'm not, and when I read it, I'm like, "What? I don't remember reading about him, them, it." You know. And, and you you don't identify for what it is. You just you just think it's you. It's logical. And I would get words and it got to where the prophetic words were tormenting because I would get tormented with this voice that would come then and I would I would hear myself saying I'm not that significant like I'm not a tar could I just I'm going to tell you don't assume you're not significant and we we value our significance by the world's standards popular likes on Facebook you know right we were, it's, we're so in ingrained grain with this concept. Am I popular? Do I have? In, am I an influencer? Do I have a blue check mark on my Twitter slash X account? Right, and that's how, those are the and the influencers now. Some, one of our young people just said to me. They have now more power than the advertisers. The advertisers are pretty much lost. It's it's the influencers that are dictating what shoes someone buys, what clothes they wear, what things they do, what, you know, things they believe. They have really. And if they have this spirit on them, I'm, I'm like, oh, Lord. My eyes are getting open. I'm like, this is that. And you've got to get your game on to stand up to these guys. So, when this Rabshakeh comes and torments them with all this stuff and says, hey, God even sent me. <laughs> that's, that sounds ridiculous, till you're the victim of this, and that's exactly what gets in the dialogue. That it's God that's against you. You, you totally lose your vision and your calling and your purpose, and you're assuming, I'm not important. This comes to steal your identity comes to steal your destiny and you don't know yet who you are. I'm going to tell you that. You don't know. You don't realize your significance. You don't know how important it is that you stand in your place. Yeah, well, all I am is I go to work every day and I take care of my kids and I, uh, uh stop, stop. If you have people, either great or small, that you stand on the wall for, it's significant. You don't know who the little one is that's crawling on the floor today. You don't know. You don't realize. Many great people have come out of very humble circumstances. And somebody was in place that got long forgotten that stood up for their life and stayed on their track and did their thing so that that person could grow and be protected to come into their destiny and their inheritance. And I realized when I heard this, like, wow, I've, I have truly finally gotten free from this spirit. Only I never really clearly knew who, what, where, how. And, and somewhere I was, I, I, Diane wished me a happy birthday and sent me a text, you know, like, and she says, thank you so much for, you never gave up it's standing. It's like, you're right, I didn't. I just, through the thick and thin of life and our ministry, our church, I, I didn't give up. Never got a lot of big, shiny stars, but I didn't, didn't give up. I kept, and, and I answered her back, yeah, because there was a group of you that stood with me no matter what. There were others that left, but there were, there were those. That is what kept me because I usually couldn't even believe for myself. And when you've been impacted by this spirit, it's really hard to believe for yourself. It's hard to believe because it's so, so powerful. So even Hezekiah, after making this amazing statement to his people, there's more with us than with them. He's it's awesome. He doesn't repent for that, but he rips his clothes. This is the gesture of extreme anxiety. It's what you do. The worst and the worst, worst of the worst things happen to you. Rip the clothes. You see that all through the Bible, right? They rent their garment, and he he he's shaken by this. It even impacts him, but he does a good thing rather than a bad thing. He says, "Hey, let's get in touch with the prophet. Yeah? We're not going backwards." It's like, wow, this is tough, this, this, is, this shakes me, I'm going to the prophet. And so he does, and um, we start seeing what the prophet says. So uh, I'm going to pick up in verse chapter 37, and I'm just going to have to wrap this up because I don't want to hold you here that long. And so it was, when King Hezekiah heard it, that he tore his clothes, covered himself, this is Isaiah 37. "'With sackcloth and went into the house of the Lord, then he sent Eliakim, who was over the household, Shebna the scribe and the elders of the priests covered with sackcloth to Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos. And they said to him, Thus says Hezekiah, This day is a day of trouble and rebuke and blasphemy, for the children have come to birth, but there is no strength to bring them forth. It's, it's that pregnancy, giving birth, that moment, and the, and the woman is too wore out. Like, that's really bad. Like, the, the labor's been too intense. And without all, our, all of our medical, you know, things that we have, You get too tired at that last moment, it's it's like, oh my gosh, push. I can't. I'm I'm spent. I'm exhausted. It's like, that's what we are. We've come to the time, we've come to the birth, and there's no strength to bring them forth. It may be that the Lord your God will hear the words of Rabshakeh, whom his, his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to reproach the living God and will rebuke the words which the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, lift up your prayer for the remnant that is left. So the servants of the king, Hezekiah, came to Isaiah, and Isaiah said to them, Thus you shall say to your master, Thus says the Lord, Do not be afraid of the words which you have heard, with which the servants of the, um, of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Surely I will send a spirit upon him, and he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land, and I will cause him to fall by the sword of his, of his own hand. So Isaiah goes on, and uh, after that, Hezekiah prays. Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, saying, and this is later in the chapter, in verse 15, O Lord, verse 16, of hosts, God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherub, you are, the God, you are God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear, open your eyes, O Lord, and see, and hear all the words of of Sin- cherub, which he has sent to reproach the living God, because he does, he reproaches God himself, Sennacherib does. Truly the Lord, truly Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste all the nations, and they had been, and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods, but... Um, but the work of men's hands wood stone therefore they destroyed them now therefore o lord our god have save us from his hand that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you are the lord you alone and so this is that thing where you step into praying for something greater than yourself and that's the lord's reputation you you pray lord for your name's sake deliver me for your name's sake Come, that you'll become famous, that you'll be known as the Lord God. Isaiah prophesies all this stuff then in the next chapter, and it gets down to uh, verse 36. And um, I've been reading at the same time a book by Charles Caps, who was a famous Andrew Wallen being on Elijah dreams a few weeks back, and uh, he had a dream, and the Lord directs him, which he gets a lot of dreams, the Lord directs him to this book, and he's never even heard of Charles Caps or the book on angels. And the Lord directs him to research go and so I have it, I got it a little bit right before I went on vacation, I think I'm like, oh here here's this book. I start reading because he said, We are binding up our angels. Now I'm not crazy about the conversation in the first place. Like it's another like red flag, but be careful, you know. Um But it's a very well laid out book, easy to read, paperback, and in it he describes, we don't tell angels what to do, but their job description is that they are ministering angels. They were designed to minister to the Lord and to carry out the word of the Lord that they get their marching orders and their releases to move on the earth by our declaration and when we speak the word of the Lord. And Charles Capp says, here, put your Bible up to your ear. Can you hear anything? It needs spoken, and so we read, but it's when we speak. And you declare the word of the Lord... Over what the Lord's doing, and what they are released, they're like, got our, got our orders, got our marching orders." And Charles Cap got this revelation. through read the book, I really encourage you to. Look at it. It's good, It's great. When they hear that, when we complain and begin here's what happens with this, this um, Rob Sheka. If you're not careful, you'll start repeating his words. Instead of repeating the promise of the Lord and the declarations of the Lord, it sounds so real. And if you let it get in your head, you start agreeing with it. And this is when you throw up your hands and you start agreeing. We're done. We're finished. We're going to go broke. Been there? It's over. We're in trouble. Blah, blah, blah. You come into this agreement and when in the privacy of your home, own home, you just like puke all over the place. With your words, and and Charles Cap says this: when we start talking like that, the angels just kind of bow their head and fold their arms. They, they can't function out of that. But when we start declaring, you hear you hear of someone that's in trouble and doing badly, and pretty soon, be careful how you speak because you don't be a part of sentencing them. Be a part of seeing like, ah, yeah, there's a problem. Make a good declaration. And when you do, if it's the word of the Lord, like you're staying out of this, angels go and minister. They're here to minister. We don't tell them what to do or where to go. But when you speak the word of the Lord, they, that is what, that's their playing with, you know, there's this neat gadget down on the beach where there's a stick and it, it's a little cup, and it picks up the ball. You pick up the ball, and you throw it, and your little doggy goes and runs after it. I'm like, oh God, we are so lazy. Now we came and bend over to pick the ball. You know, like, whatever. That's yeah, nice. If you get old and your back stiff. Why not? But I saw a lot of those. I'm like, that's funny. <laughs> Dog wastes. <laughs> the angels are like that with the Lord. Word of the Lord. When you release it, they're they can be gone in a flash, man. On their way doing things am i crazy is that ridiculous no it's scripture because here in verse 36 i'll end with this probably to be continued then the angel of the lord went out after isaiah releases this word he doesn't tell angels to do anything he just releases this word about what's going to happen to this king of assyria then the then the angel of samaria did i say the wrong wrong word Okay, then the angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000 soldiers. The next morning, I don't even know if there was a sound, because the next morning the people went out and there's just bodies laying all over 185,000. 185,000 they were they had gotten so big so powerful and this king was so and he was he was very evil and boasting and the word was yeah he his his army gets taken out he goes back home he hear and and that he would hear a rumor and someone comes to him tells him a rumor it's not even true he goes back home to worship his God and while he's in there two of his sons come in and kill him and the third son takes over his kingdom just like that this man is gone he's erased and his army there's not some he's there's got a mess it's a mess an angel of the Lord moved right after that happened like uh. Oh, what do you say I, I cannot fight evil. I can think of things to do and say, get a bigger gun. I don't know, get a gun. Period. But in the end, they're probably better at the battle than I am. I can't go to court against anyone because they're the enemy's better than at it. I can't even pretend to defend my. I, I need an, I need someone to go in my place. And we need angels to do these battles for us because if you try to do it yourself, you'll, you'll get caught, you'll get caught up, you'll get confused, you'll get into confusion, you'll make a bigger mess of it than it was in the first place. But if you wait on the Lord, depend on the Lord, identify that spirit that has come to give bring hopelessness to you and understand he wants you to surrender without a fight, oh, oh my gosh. You'll you'll find yourself, if you're under that influence, you'll be depressed and no one can figure out what's wrong with you. What's wrong with you? I don't know. I can't get my stuff together. I I, I feel defeated and nothing bad's even happened yet. But that, that thing comes on you and you lose faith, you lose heart, you lose your momentum. To understand it's the Spirit. I'm like, oh, this thing's big. This is the taunting spirit of, of the evil forces that are at work in our government and in our nation over the whole whole globe. It's this it's just the same thing. Because it, it intimidates and they what what power do they have? They have the media. And they, they speak and, and people are disheartened. It's hard to find people that are encouraged. I'm actually encouraged. I believe a secret. I'm not done. God's not gone. President Trump is not done. Like, I believe it's going to work out. Watch and see. It's going to be rough. Things may switch up in our world, but it doesn't mean that we have to live like losers or be losers. This word keeps coming. Learn. Learn how to pray the word. Learn how to stand in faith. Learn how to overcome. There's not going to be a, a, a you know. You can't be in the middle anymore. We've, we've got to get serious about finding the ways the Lord wants to function and operate with us. To embrace the, the prophetic words and realize. And then if we get assaulted afterwards, this, this thing always comes after we get a word and we, and we get encouraged. Then it comes to attack that faith. And you're confused. You're like, Lord, I believed. It's Like, yes, you did. But now you're under attack, it's come to the edge of your territory where that you can just hear the voice, it begins to speak intimidating things, cause you to doubt, cause you to second guess. You start second guessing whether God's for you or not, you're done already, right? We can just get you to that, just get you to question, get you to lose heart that, that, that God is with you. And you're you're already beat. You're you're already a powder puff. You're already a, you know. Easy, easy target. So in time, and you, you begin to, you have to obey the Lord, obey the Spirit. And I would encourage you, start learning. I'm, I'm just practicing this myself. Learning how to look at situations and release a word that I believe will release angels to, to function and operate and do what I can't do. So hopeless things become Hopeful. If you're too hung up on being real and what you know what makes sense, like you're probably going to be, in tr- you're going to have to give that up. You're going to have to move into the supernatural. You're going to have to move into trusting the true. What will, the Lord will do, what He wants to do. So, um, yeah, I may continue this. Let's pray, Father, in Jesus' name. I just thank you for this direction. That Lord, we're going to pay attention to this voice this, that gets a platform somehow to cause us to doubt, to cause us to question whether you're with us, that causes us to look at, hope, at hopeless situations and hopeless scenarios because we're looking with our eyes instead of our heart. And give us the, the supernatural strength to have eyes to see that there are truly more that are with us than that are against us. And that if we can find the prophetic word and the word of declaration to release, that angels will go on our behalf and take care of what is for us impossible and redeem and buy back and make a way and pull down enemies. You alone, Lord, are worthy. We just run towards you to learn more, to have more, to, to get rid of this hesitation that's in our hearts often that we can be full, we can be in faith, that we can be fully alive in you. We just thank you for that, in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't give up your destiny.
1: So last night we had our feast of trumpets and we celebrated the Jewish New Year. And uh, many of you are here for that, but I want to speak a blessing of Shana Tova over all of you. If you would lift your hands and receive that. And Shana Tova means good year. We have a good father, and this is a good year. And so I I declare this blessing over you that you will know his goodness this year. that you will look up and you will see it hovering above you and your houses like the Goodyear blimp. And we had testimony of that last night. So in this good year, I declare that you will have a keen awareness of his favor over you. Again, that hovers over you. and of his faithfulness, and that you will be fruitful in this year. Amen? Shana Tova. Isaiah 43, 19 says, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland I want you to see new things this year I want you to hear the new name that he calls you this year mountain miracle strength deliverer these names he called you you are healed Raphael I hear your prayers We will see these things this year. We will hear these things. Making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. When the Lord asks, do you not perceive it? It indicates to me some of us aren't seeing these things. So we need to look with new eyes. We need to hear where the Holy Spirit is taking us. away in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland Matthew Henry calls these divine directions and divine comforts you may be in the wilderness but there's a way he's making for you and you may be in the wasteland but he has divine comforts he has water he has provision for you and you need to see these things What he's prepared for you. I ask that you see new things in communion this year. Divine directions, divine comforts are prepared for you at this table. If you've been taking communion all year and you still find that you're in the wilderness or you're in the wasteland, take communion with new eyes this morning. Take communion when you can hear the Holy Spirit because He's here. Amen? So come. Partake of divine directions, divine comforts. Come see this new thing.